back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike on the line and oscar race checkpoint for you is also mike once again went through the trouble of sitting himself down and pretending he was in where is it uh but park city utah, utah or something yeah. like that uh he was in the sundance audience uh eastern part of sundance here in connecticut michael yeah 16 movies in three days i watched the 17th last night because i didn't realize things were available for another day and i was uh yeah, man, I was I was relatively worried, let's just say, when I texted mm-hmm. you at one point. I'm like, these this five bad movies in a row, Michael. I'm in trouble. Uh, and then I, I texted you a couple hours later. Well, I just watched a couple good movies in a row. And, of course, you're like, no, no. It's Stockholm Syndrome now. You, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> so now, so now I, but I took, that, I took that to heart. So now I'm, I'm not sure about any of my reviews today. And Good. It, so, but here's here's the point. The reviews though. of a madman. It's the reviews of a madman, a complete madman. But here, here's mm-hmm. the point because I need everybody to watch the greatest night in pop on Netflix because I want to give this movie to you know after watching it last night today an A. That like that's an A movie to me. I think it's the greatest documentary, the greatest movie I've ever seen, <laughs> and I'm wondering. If perhaps that's the residue of watching all these indie stars, indie Sundance movies. Is it something that's out now? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It was at Sundance and it came on Netflix the next day. And what I watched is it last night. I loved it. it. It's about the We Are the World music video that they shot in, I believe, 1985 at the American yeah. Movie Awards. Quincy Jones, MJ, and Lionel Richie organizing the whole thing. That's what it's yeah. about. It's a behind the scenes. It's un- unbelievable. It's the best documentary, the best movie in the history of cinema. Thank you, Netflix. That's my review. So I don't know if these other reviews are a little skewed or not. I need people to watch. I need you to watch this and let me know. So that'll be the barometer. It's the best movie in the history of cinema. Well, I guess that does it for our show. We're done now. Well, yeah. It, we finally the got there. The mountain. <laughs> uh yeah but you're not going stir crazy that's good to see Uh, as i told you like i'm glad it was a good documentary i'm sure i'll watch it at some point but if it is that good don't bother getting excited about it because it has no shot at winning an oscar if it's that good that's okay that's okay it's just gonna be number one on my movie list next year (laughs) and And uh, every year going forward and every year going forward the greatest night in pop but uh yeah man I, i i did 16 this year I, I did that deliberately. I did not want to do 30 or 40 films like I've been doing each and every year. You know, God love Matt Neglia and everybody who are doing 50 or 60 You texted films. me, it's been five bad Sundance movies in a row, and I started making a noose. I, right. I don't know it, how it you, rough. like, it's crazy. It was rough. I mean, look, at you're, you're watching these movies, you have really no barometer to go off of based on, there's no reviews out there, and you're watching them all at once, and you have to binge them. You're just at their mercy. I I picked movies with premises I liked. It's not like you can go off of filmmakers that you've seen before. Most of the time you can't. So it's just right. you're kind of flying blind, and you could get you can get in a slump, let's just say. 
I did. I did get in a slump. But then you could get to a point where you're ripping off a ton of good movies in a row. Like two years ago, I watched Coda, Summer of Soul, Mass, Judas and the Black Messiah, back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. And I'm like l- loving life, and it's a joy. So, I mean, Sundance does that for you, too. And this this year, I did watch like five out of seven. My last, my last stretch was really good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, I went like eight for 16, and then if you add the greatest movie ever... I'm like nine for 17 now. It's pretty good. Greatest, greatest movie in the history of cinema. Uh, you start with premises. I joked with you at the end of last episode, you should pitch me uh, four or five premises and put one fake one and see if I could pick it out. And you went through the trouble of actually doing that. I did that. And, uh, well, I, I kind of t- put my own little twist on it. But, yes, here are four premises. You've already answered this question, so I'm not going to let you retcon a correct answer yes. out of this. Uh, but four of these premises are, are Sundance movies from this year, and, and one is not. So here you go. A love story between a satellite and a buoy. Now, what did you think? Like, you give me your commentary as, as I read these. What did you think of a love story between a satellite and a buoy? I thought that was too ridiculous for you to make it up. That had to be a real movie. Right. So Emmy, a school teacher, finds her career and reputation under threat after a personal sex tape is leaked on the Internet. What did you think of that one? I thought that was too realistic to be a movie, so you might have made it up, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I wasn't positive. Okay. Uh, two teenagers bond over their love of a supernatural TV show, but it is mysteriously canceled. Absolutely not. That has to be a real movie. It has to be. That lends specific. itself so well to a... It's, it just lends itself so easily to like a horror or a thriller or something. It's a right. good idea. And then a year in the life of a unique family... It captures the daily life of the Sasquatch with a level of detail and rigor that is simply unforgettable. <laughs> so I, I you, this is the one I picked as the fake one, and yeah. I picked it for a couple reasons. Not just If it was just the d- daily life of, of a Sasquatch, I don't think I would have picked it because I would have said, I would have said, oh, that if it's fake, Mike's being too obvious about it because you have your love for Sasquatches. But with the level of detail and rigor that is simply unforgettable, I was well. <laughs> he's going a little. He's selling it a little hard there. So I thought because of your love for Sasquatches, because of the detail of it, that's the one I picked as the fake one of these premises. Nope, you are you were not correct. It was wrong. That is a real movie <laughs> that played at uh, Sundance called Sasquatch Sunset. It stars Riley Keough, Elvis's daughter, uh, granddaughter. <laughs> there uh of course mmo favorite riley keogh and mm-hmm. uh and jesse eisenberg who had the festival <laughs> of his career you know with yeah. two movies so he was one of the darlings for sure so Bleaker. was that yeah bleaker street is the distributor too is that a real premise from imdb for that movie yes i copied it right over that's the... <laughs> that's a terrible premise <laughs> well yeah i want i here's the thing i didn't trust myself to make up a fake premise Right. At one point, I had the premise of "What about Bob in here?" At another point, <laughs> at another point, I had the premise for "Scanners," which was hysterical. David Cronenberg's "Scanners" had the word "Scanners" in the premise four times. <laughs> I that was done. Yeah, I was gonna go with that, but I figured you would totally guess that. But uh, I went with the the premise for "Bad Luck Banging" and "Loony Porn." <laughs> oh, I gotta thing. tell you. 
So, so the one, the, the Emmy is school teacher finds her career and reputation under threat after a personal sex tape is leaked on the internet. Knowing that premise, aside from all the jokes I've made about bad luck banging or loony porn, like that makes me want to watch that movie a little more, knowing that's the premise now. Look, you should want to watch that movie for the end sequence of the movie. Like the last 30 minutes are hilarious. They're great. Problem is you just got to get through the first two hours of the movie, <laughs> which is not great. So it's 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 poor things. Basically. No, I'm just kidding. I have a review okay. of poor well, things po- coming up that I finally saw. Poor things uh, did get off to a rocky start. I would agree yes. with you, but we'll, we'll yeah. get there. But yeah, man, I mean, Love Me was the uh, love story between the satellite and the buoy. Yes. I'll never see that movie. <laughs> Listen, th- I can, I, I'm going to review I can it. promise you right now. It wasn't as bad as you'd think. Uh, I don't but, care if it's nominated for Best Picture. On principle, mm-hmm. I can't. No. We have to have decency and decorum in this society. <laughs> I saw the TV glow. That was the one about the teens bonding over their favorite. I will uh, watch that at some point, no doubt. TV show that was mysteriously canceled. Is and that then, good? I, I hear it's good. Yeah. We're going to talk about oh, review. Okay. We're going to do a reviewing the reviewers uh, at, the, at the end of my my own reviews. Uh, the Sundance Sangbin, because they only played movies like I Saw the TV Glow and Sasquatch Sunset in Utah. Basically, right. I would say 90% of their premiere section and uh, and some of their, uh, most of their midnight section was shown exclusively in Utah in person. And they put all the competition sections online at Sundance gotcha. this year. So. Okay. Less than usual, but I, I do want to, you know, count down my reviews. So, like I said, uh, the uh, the greatest night in pop, A plus, one hundred percent on the Mike meter here. The first and only perfect movie ever made. <laughs> Great movie. Just need people. I just look like I said. I just need people to bounce that, you know, to bounce that off of them. But uh, okay, uh-huh. Porcelain War, uh, another documentary to get into my reviews here. Seriously, B plus 89. This was the U.S. documentary winner, Michael. And uh, yeah, so if you set them up for me, I'll, I'll, I'll knock them down. You'll knock them down. All right. Under Roaring Fighter Jets, Ukrainian artists Slava, Anya, and Andri, I apologize, uh, choose to stay behind to finally fighting, finding beauty amid destruction. They show that although it's easy to make people afraid, it's hard to destroy their passion for living. This was directed by Brendan Belomo. He's the VFX artist on Beasts of the Southern Wild and the writer of the Netflix original movie Chupa. Uh, Porcelain War was also co-directed by one of its subjects, Slava Leontiev. If Porcelain War is not nominated for an Oscar at next year's documentary features category, <laughs> I will be shocked. I will I will want to eat one of these porcelain dolls. Uh, I cannot believe how good this movie was, Mike. And I look, I had I felt the same way last year about Eternal Memory. I think I gave it the same exact eighty nine grade for Eternal mm-hmm. Memory. And even though like the whole season I was I was reverse jinxing Eternal Memory, Eternal Memory got nominated for an Oscar this year. So Porcelain mm-hmm. War, if I can somehow follow that same blueprint, that is the way to Jedi mind trick this documentary feature branch, I think. I'm just I I I, I don't know why you're got doing the this to yourself. We got I don't know the why template. you're doing this to yourself. All right. But look at Porcelain War is about the Ukraine conflict going on right now. And it's it, it felt very much like the Hurt Locker. It's not a bomb story. He's not detonating bombs, this soldier. But he is doing special forces missions. He's training. He's training riflemen on the ground there. Uh, and we are thrust into into the middle of several operations that he and his uh, his unit are performing 
Uh, you get a ton of drone shots. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a big nightly news watcher, so I don't know how much they're showing out there, you know, on, on CNN every night, but I've never seen anything like this. This was absolutely harrowing, but put, take every production value, turn it up to 11. They did a marvelous job here. The, the wife of this soldier, uh, who's also helping out with the war effort. She is an artist, and he comes home every night or every weekend, whenever he does come home, and they make these porcelain figurines together. And they are absolutely hmm. gorgeous. They talk about them in the context of the conflict, about how it's a, a, a form of protest against Putin and, and Russia and the aggression there. And I turned this movie on, Porcelain War, during the NFC Championship game, Michael, because I... I was looking down the wire. I had two movies. I had three movies to watch, and I had two o'clock. Two a.m. was when they were going to expire. Mm-hmm. I barely watched the NFC Championship game because I was oh, hooked. Wow. I was hooked. Porcelain War. And I'm a big football fan, obviously. Yeah. So this was, I mean, great music and Saint cinematography. Obviously, the harrowing war journalism, beautiful artistry. I, I, this is next level. And then sh- they're leaving these collectible. Uh, you know, Pokemon all over Ukraine. It's right. The most beautiful thing, right. most beautiful sculptures you'd ever see. I mean, at the very least, they should be able to sell these things for hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece after this movie hopefully gets popular. You're getting uh, your fill of documentaries, at least, if nothing else here, for good grades, because another documentary was Daughters. You gave that a B plus 88. It was the winner of the U.S. Documentary Section's Audience Award and a Grand Jury Prize. The premise is four young girls prepare for a special daddy-daughter dance with their incarcerated fathers as part of a unique fatherhood program in a Washington, D.C. jail. This was directed by Angela Patton and Natalie Ray. So the Daughters is as adorable and emotional as it and and as rewarding as as it is heart wrenching. I mean, it is. It gets to you. My God, it's it's impossible not to cry while watching this movie. I'm uh, sure it sounds like it. Yeah, it, it's. But it's really good for the soul. I mean, it's one of those where you're just glad you watched it. And I think it's another surefire Oscar nominee in any year. I know I'm jinxing daughters right now you have three documentary features already claimed for 2025 show well look at last year though last year i mean i just off the top of my head the eternal memory and 20 days in mariupol were both at sundance uh do me a favor look up this year's documentary five i know four daughters was can uh but look up the other two what were the other two that i'm forgetting right now but i sundance has got a big uh footprint at the at the oscars every year anyway daughters I mean, I, I just think triangulating the point of views of both parents, one who's incarcerated and the mother who is, you know, holding up the family, and then the daughter, the daughter's point of view was absolutely the most fascinating part of this. And and to get these kids to cooperate and to be as honest with these filmmakers as they were and insightful, I, I mean, this is gorgeous, innovative journalism the, the the cinematography is beautiful the editing is a smooth composition for daughters just really top-notch in every way and then they had like a 30-minute section on the father-daughter dance that would just melt your heart so b plus 88 
another high grade for me there, daughters. What's the point of documentaries, right, to shine the light on hopefully some good or at least some hope that the bright line ending that we talk about all the time that it, the doc feature branch does seem to cling on to and give credit to. The other two nominees for this year's doc feature uh, nom- category, excuse me, uh, that you asked for, Bobby Wine, the People's President, which was right. a uh, Venice debut, and then right. To Kill a Tiger, which is a Canadian documentary, which was a TIFF debut. TIFF debut. All right, so only uh, two Sundance movies from last year. But well, I got two for next year for you. Anyway, we got well, three uh, if you count the single greatest movie ever made. <laughs> That's right, three. Yeah. But I mean, the prize for me there is just it's going to be number one on my list forever. <laughs> forever, yeah, right. <laughs> until until the sun burns out. Uh, kneecap is next. You gave it a B plus eighty seven. It was also the next section winner uh, over there on Sundance. Explores the birth of Kneecap, a hip and naughty Irish rap group. Uh, starring the actual rap group itself, Kneecap and Michael Fassbender, was acquired by Sony Pictures Classics. So Kneecap's the type of movie you hope to discover when you when you watch Sundance movies, Mike. I mean, this was this was touted as you know Train Spotting meets whatever movies out there, and I would have totally agree. I mean, this is this is some filmmaking talent right here. This director. Um, and I, I probably should look up his name. I didn't write his name down. Anyway, you want personal stories with momentum uh, and narrative momentum here. You want that up-tempo, uh, fresh take on a tired genre. I mean, we've seen how many, you know, rags to riches, you know, the, the VH1 behind the music type stories on these bands. And kneecap right. is just that type with a ton of activism, activism all over it. I mean, they're they're activists for the Irish language and standing up obviously for their independence in Northern Ireland there, as you would guess. Uh, but you throw it, yeah, and, and, and then you throw in a big subplot for Michael Fassbender and a, and a father-son uh, storyline. Where does, how does, awesome. how does he play into this? He's not just the narrator? No, he, he's the father of uh, one of the members of the group. So, I mean, oh, this, really? This was a B-plus all day, and he he's so cool, and these guys are really cool. I mean, obviously there's, there's you know, trigger warning for, for drug abuse in this movie, and that that factors in. It's not like a biopic to where you're gonna get, you know, the the rise and fall type of thing. They're just, you know, they're just on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the rise, baby. Just the We're rise. Just the good stuff. <laughs> just the good stuff for kneecap. That's why it's an A plus plus plus. No, B plus eighty seven <laughs> all day. Uh, it was a fun movie. It's irresistible. I, in, my, in my opinion, kneecap was irresistible. Rich Pepiat is the name Good. of the uh, director there for Kneecap. Thank Move you. on to A Real Pain, B86 from you. It's the U.S. drama screenplay winner. Two cousins travel to Poland after their grandmother's death to see where they came from and end up joining a Holocaust tour. It was written, directed by, and starring Jesse Eisenberg, obviously of the social network, Zombieland, and a bunch of others. Uh, co-starring Kieran Culkin of Succession, Will Sharp of The White Lotus, and Jennifer Grey of Dirty Dancing and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Searchlight bought this for $10 million. This was probably the biggest... Mm-hmm. Uh, exposured picture and and cast of Sundance that was all over social media, uh, especially the the funniest part for me, watching Jesse Eisenberg and Kieran Culkin answer questions about the other person was hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah, they they did a nice job setting the movie up. Even in the uh, you know the introduction before the movie, Eisenberg did a beautiful job with it. He talked about how you know all of the s- settings in Poland were ancestral stomping grounds for his grandmother and he became obsessed with his family history and sure. with the history of, of 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 Jewish people in Poland during World War II and this is why he made the movie so you want to hear that stuff from these 
directors that are you know putting stuff in, in film festivals like this you want to hear that personal connection he had it and he did a nice job of setting it up so this was like to me a real clear step up for jesse eisenberg as a writer director uh when you finish saving the world that was a bit too vexing and grating and i i liked these characters much better and i liked the filmmaking it was much smoother of a composition for sure uh, and Kieran Culkin was just as much of a piece of work as Finn Wolfhard or Julianne Moore were in his last <laughs> movie. But, but for whatever reason, you just love the guy. You love the guy throughout, and you're you know you're relating to him uh, during this entire movie, even when he's like turning to the dark side. So it's a touching cousin story. It's really a little more like a family brother brother story with how close these two uh, seemingly were. And it's just an easy watch, and it, you know it's a road trip movie. And, it, and you would think that they would get very serious, too serious, but there's a lot of comedy throughout this movie, and, and they, they have some big dramatic beats, but I, I thought he did a wonderful job. I think that's the mark of a really good screenwriter, really good screenplay, so I'm not surprised at one here, you, if you could pull off the drama comedy. B86 yeah. all day, yeah. Let talented people do talented stuff, as we keep saying. Jesse Eisenberg is going to be a force behind the camera as much as he is in front of it. Kieran Culkin... You know, for a guy who went viral saying how he's not funny, it's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. I mean, he's, he's hysterical when he wants to be. I mean, he was on the red carpet. I think it was for the Emmys. And mm. uh, somebody, one of the producers came up to him. I forget who it was. Maybe someone with The Office, but it wasn't Greg Daniels. I can't remember who. Somebody, one of, some very famous uh, showrunner came up to him and was like, I do I do comedies. I'd love to have you on. And Curran Culkin just turns to him and goes, oh, well, I'm not that funny. And the guy's <laughs> like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah and he he yeah. killed me every time pedro pascal was on stage as well yeah, but he's naturally funny i agree yeah dd was was another big hit with me yeah it was it got a lot of exposure as well as a b85 from you u.s drama audience award winner a 13 year old taiwanese american boy discovers skating flirting and the true essence of maternal love beyond his family's teaching written and directed by sean wong uh, starring isaac wong of good boys joan chen a murder at the end of the world and shirley chen of quiz lady dd otherwise cast a lot of first-time actors from the bay area of california to round out its cast so dd is very much like eighth grade was for me a couple years ago i think i mean it's it's a notch below just a little bit because eighth grade was a little more palatable had some bigger laughs but dd is really strong filmmaking it go talk about going to the dark side like this kid fights hard with his sister it's brutal fights hard with his mother i mean just verbally obviously but it's absolutely take no prisoners knock down drag out humiliating and awkward moments throughout this movie happen and you know you almost feel like the character assassinated him himself already with uh you know because of how hard he argues with his family members and then you're like but that's what teenagers do right He's 12 years old. He's 13 right. years old, whatever he is. <laughs> and you have to readjust yourself as a movie watcher. But yeah, it's, I mean, the movie earns the coming of age fa- factor about it. It earns the catharsis. It earns the lessons that you, that this kid is taught uh, having to deal with all this humiliation. And it's just very commendable and genuine uh, for this director, Sean Wong, to to be honest about all those things seemingly in his own childhood and to put it on screen i'm sure a lot of people you know can relate to it i can relate to it in my own life uh so i was i was really dazzled by dd it was just i mean it's a bit too awkward to just like 
uproariously give it more praise. Maybe I need more tolerance for that sort of thing. But I have to say, I love the performances. They're tremendous. Joan Chen, the mother character, good lord, was she fantastic. I thought she was next really? level. And then the son character, Isaac Wong. I mean, I, I yeah, I'm, I, I'm very impressed with those two uh lead performances in the movie so yeah best young actor categories should happen throughout next year for isaac wong and yeah if this movie really takes off i would say joan chin and supporting that would be that would be smart we're sticking with the b-grade movies from you from this year's sundance sugarcane was the u.s doc directing winner as well an investigation into abuse and missing children at an indian residential school sparks a reckoning on nearby sugarcane reserve good god yeah, a heavy premise, a heavy film, a tough watch. However, a worthwhile one. This was the first good movie. Well, second good movie I watched at the festival. Excuse me. This is a deep dive into the history of injustice surrounding these residential schools wow. uh, with, with, with indigenous people forced to go there, herded into those schools. And the Catholic Church, the clergy there, just abusive, heinous abuse to these kids so trigger warnings so do abound like the catholic church you sure uh, yeah, yeah just really just really rough in, in terms of the looking back but to watch Terrible. these gumshoes in the community research and figure things out that there is that you know there's just heroic people you wouldn't even know about heroic people doing things that just involve so much courage the the subjects of this movie are the parents of the filmmakers and the and the you know the community members of the filmmakers filmmake uh, you know the filmmakers friends and relatives right to see them put their lives on camera like this and delve up all these old wounds and, and to be in such vulnerable positions here these these are not trained actors these are and, and just showing the ugly side of them coping all these decades later it's nothing short of heroic and and you think about how widespread the issue was how many people must be watching sugarcane and and, and growing from it and help being helped by it it absolutely is just you know as a, as a project it's it's just a tremendous lovely project I, I can't get over it and there's some obviously there's some difficult to watch you know the factors about it but you can't help but root for a community like this one a movie like sugarcane i'm going to cheer for it all season no doubt about it yeah jeez sounds very uh very heavy like you were saying there a couple but it's worth it is worth it it's not like un- it's not unwatchable it's hard to watch but it's not unwatchable there's a lot of forgiveness at the end at the end of the movie there's one of the main characters goes and talks to like the head priest of the region or whatever and that's a mm. it's a major showdown that's really worth it uh, uh, moving into the B minus is now a new kind of wilderness. This was a worldwide doc winner in the Norwegian wilderness. A family seeks a wild free existence, but a tragic turn of events shatters their isolation, compelling them to adapt to the demands of contemporary society. So I read reviews on a new kind of wilderness and I was like, all right, so this movie's going to swerve at like the half hour point. Well, they wrote the swerve into the, pr- into the prologue of the movie so you know what's happening you know the tragedy that the family's going to deal with right from the Mm -hmm. jump so it really wasn't that type of movie and maybe my expectations were thrown a bit but yeah even still it's structurally a bit messy but you just love this family uh it's a beautiful beautiful father dealing with you know uh dealing with a lot of heartache here and and raising his kids 
through it and that these kids are just sweet kids they're good brothers and sisters to one another and you just you cannot help but cheer them on and you cannot help but root for them to get through it and i i would love i would love to watch a sequel to this movie you know a couple you know a decade from now that's what i would Mm. love a new kind of wilderness as as strong of a father-daughter story as i've seen in a bit as strong as a sister story as as you'll watch and yeah i mean they're just getting through tough times it's it's amazing uh but yeah i mean you, you think you're going in for like a swiss family robertson robinson story which is i think the conceit of the documentary and then something happens uh right at the jump there and and, and the stories totally changed obviously so you know very good though uh, we'll move on to Thelma. Was this based on a true story? Because I feel like this is a premise that I've heard of in real life. I don't know. I do. Okay. I do. I don't want to spoil something that they showed. In well, I mean, I, I'll just say this: you're made to think at the end of the movie it might be true because you okay. meet the real Thelma in in the credits, which I guess yeah. Is I don't think it was. Her, I don't think it was the woman herself, but I think somebody did it on her behalf. Is well, anyway. Let's get to the to the premise okay. first. Thelma, when ninety three year old Thelma Post gets duped by a phone scammer pretending to be her grandson, she sets out on a treacherous quest across the city to reclaim what was taken from her. This is written directed by Josh Margolin. It stars June Squibb of Nebraska fame, Fred Hessinger of The White Lotus, Richard Roundtree, who is himself the original Shaft, Clark Gregg, he's in the MCU, future Oscar winner Parker Post. Of Bo is afraid, right. and of course, Scream Three. Nicole Byer and Malcolm McDonald, Malcolm McDowell, excuse me, are also in this. Uh, I feel like this is something that happened in real life. I heard about happening in real life, but somebody did it on behalf of the grandmother. Not that it was the grandmother herself going across town and and getting retribution. So Thelma really works as as this slow road trip movie. Now, obviously she's 93 years old and it's funny how they're, they're filming this like an action movie and she's just on the scooter <laughs> going very slow. And what you got there? The old four volt, a stair, a staircase is like the nemesis, the arch nemesis. Of this movie. So there's a lot of that. And then there's some unrealistic, I would say there's some unrealistic twists in the movie, but if you're if you're gonna expect a movie about a 93 year old action star, then yeah, I mean you're gonna expect a little some of that, right? Uh, but Thelma Thelma's a good movie. I, I I enjoyed it. There's a lot of laughs. June Squibb is still funny, which is good to know. Uh, Malcolm McDowell plays a good part. Parker Posey and Clark Gregg are a little too nutty in this. I didn't like their characters, even though I loved them. Uh, as mm. as two actors, they're just so annoying. As the uh, the the daughter and the you know the son-in-law. Oh, anyway, uh, I like Fred Hetchinger. I always like him. He's he's uh, he's going to be those up one of those up and comedy coming comedy stars. I think he's always funny. Whenever I I see him in something, he was funny in the White Lotus, even though he was so tragic and sad as the younger brother of Sidney Sweeney there. But yeah, I, this is solid movie. I just, I think it was overhyped a little bit for me. You know, it was okay. one of the first movies I watched and I was really not, not one of the first movies I watched at, at late night. And I was, I was kind of saving it, you know, for a big Saturday night. And yeah, I, 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 I had my parents watch it with me and they weren't, my dad liked it. My mother did not. She's like, she's dealing with my grandmother who's 94. I was going to say that, that, yeah, that, that she's like, this is absurd. (laughs) 
<laughs> she would fall asleep every 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 five minutes. She was like, "Nope, she would be sleeping." <laughs> well, she's grounded in reality. That's all. This that is means. bullshit. She'd be sleeping if she fell like that. She'd be dead. <laughs> so I was watching it with um. Ms. Killjoy there, I guess. <laughs> awesome mom. No, I, I, but it, she's right. She's right. I mean, I do agree with her. She was kind of nutty. Uh, those were the eight hits for you coming out of Sundance. Anything you want to mention about what uh, kind of fell short for you? So Love Me was solid. Kristen Stewart, Stephen Young, because of this Wally Eva setup. So this, okay. this satellite and this you know smart buoy are basically connecting through the internet and then they're in virtual reality. I'd have to be paid the admissions of Sunday's <laughs> tickets to watch that movie. Well, it, I liked it more than other people did, but the middle is a slog. So that, that's the problem. <laughs> Great. Between the Temples had fun like transitions. I loved the 1960s, 70s movie you know, flair for this Jason Schwartzman film. And mm. then I just hated the characters like thoroughly. Um, Would it have been better if Adam Sandler starred in it instead? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think no. not even the Sandman could have saved this one. And, okay. and Carol King, Carol King was, you know, I, I I was really looking forward to Between the Temples and could not get into it at all. Uh, exhibiting forgiveness really went for broke. When it was like twenty out of ten in terms of the dramatic Oscar grab. No, I don't. I mean, it's. I think it's a first feature. They're going for it. Andre Holland, Andre Day, Andre New Ellis, the Ons. I mean, it's it's people who are Oscar adjacent and have been. Oh yeah, they're they're banging on the door, but they just it's just overacting, overacting, just going for bro. No, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. I. It's all on the nose. It's one of the most on the nose scripts ever. It's it's and Rob Rob Peace. It's in a similar vein. Chiwetel Ejiofor directorial debut i want to say and again you know he i mean he's slobbering all over himself during the 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 perform you know the performance in this movie like if he actually toned down his performance somewhat it would have been i would have bought it Mm. and it's a true story i I just you know you i'm I'm a little surprised i mean he just they had to be rained he the performances had to be reined in unfortunately so those were two movies that really went for it handling the undead another Another example of that, except the plot was so slow. Like, so you have these huge performances and this nothing happening plot. I, I, it's almost as if a zombie movie has never been made before. Z- there's zero. <laughs> if you have never, ever seen a zombie movie, yeah, this might be passable. Handling the All undead. Right. So the this people at Neon, you're gonna crack the seal on your zombie watching. Right. If this, this if this is the first right. one, and you only watch. Sundance movies <laughs> every year, then handling the undead would be good because, but oh, Jesus, I mean, it's like watching a grass grow. Just yeah, bite, just bite her already, please. Just bite somebody, <laughs> bite somebody. Uh, Vini Vidi Vici was probably the biggest disappointment of the festival for me. I saved this to watch with my brother on one night because we're like, oh, yeah, hunting, hunting people. They're billionaires who they hunt people. It's going to be the most dangerous game. Be, Badass, most dangerous game, Zodiac. This is gonna be a badass movie, and it's just like I, there's no suspense whatsoever, none. I it didn't work at all. Like you know exactly what's gonna happen, and that happens. That's it. 
<laughs> good one was was perhaps overhyped to me. Uh, I actually, when I the more I think about good one, because it's about this father daughter camping trip, and the father's best friend comes along, and there's all these microaggressions as it, as it was uh, touted, and and yeah, so it's it's very subtle, it's very nuanced. The performances are good, and good one. It's just like again, nothing happens until one small thing that I've obviously reverberates in a major way happens at the end, and that's the movie. And you're just mm-hmm. like, all right. I mean, it's a short film. Yeah, right. I just, and then I was surprised by In the Summers that won the U.S. Dramatic category, the section, and, and it's you a, don't it's agree a, with that. no, I don't don't agree. It's it's a series of scenes where this abusive father is taking care of his two uh his two kids over summer so you have different actors playing the kids throughout the entire film and it's like 20 minute vignettes of things just spiraling out of control in this father's life just gets worse and worse and worse and worse as you flash forward another five years to another summer it's just rough just a rough set and he just gets worse and worse and more of an alcoholic and it's just like all right i get it i got it in five minutes like vini vini vici right. i got i got the premise in five minutes i don't need right. another two hours on it so gotcha. when you're watching 16 movies in three days it's not easy you know uh no it is not i uh, completely i i can't even commiserate because it's nothing i do like after the first bad movie and that's it i'm done <laughs> <laughs> but I bought all those other movies, man. What are they gonna do? Anyway, I did half what I did last year. Uh, but they only put out half of what they put out last year, Sundance, uh, on the internet. So I'd be curious what they're gonna do going forward if they're gonna keep the you know online half of this thing going. Because a lot of this next group of movies, I don't know if you want to just alternate and presenting them here to the people. They yeah, they're not uh, not available at home. Like I saw the TV Glow. This was the premise we mentioned earlier. About the TV show, uh, this is a Jane Schoenbrunn film. She was we're all going to the World's Fair, uh, mm-hmm. beloved on film Twitter for certain, and I, I enjoyed that movie too. Uh, I saw the TV Glow stars Justice Smith, Bridget Lundy Payne, Helena Howard. Remember Madeline's Madeline and uh, oh yeah, way back the hype during the pandemic for that one that was mm-hmm. pretty good. Danielle yeah. Deadweiler. That was like the Fitt. highest graded movie on uh, Metascore, yeah. I think. It was excellent. Yeah. It, was, it was very good. Uh, Fred Durst is in this. Phoebe Bridgers is in. I saw the TV glow. Uh, Metascore. I, did, I forgot to write it down. Eighty nine Metascore. No, I did. Eighty nine Metascore. One hundred percent on twenty four reviews. This is eight twenty four. I saw the TV glow is beloved right now. Uh, Soderbergh also had a presence there. He did presence. That's ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by David Kep. It stars <laughs> Lucy Liu, Julia Fox, and Chris Sullivan. It's a horror film. Neon took the rights to it. It's carrying an 88% early on Rotten Tomatoes, 78% early Metascore. Uh, so that's being graded awfully high. So Steven Soderbergh with another innovative horror movie slash thriller. Are you going to watch this one, Michael? This is tempting, <laughs> right? Because of course it is. Neon Every Soderbergh movie I watch, I want him to get back to form, and it's like, you've come sworn, on. <laughs> you've sworn away from Soderbergh. Yeah, I'll probably watch this. Yes, I don't yes, know. You will. You, you'll watch and you'll like it. <laughs> A Different Man, written and directed by Aaron Schimberg, starring Sebastian Stan, Renata Reinsve, and Adam Pearson. Uh, Adam Pearson dealing with the issues uh, shown in the film. So another heroic performance here. And, and he's done a wonderful job selling the 
the movie A Different Man, by the well. It tells the story of Edward. Uh, after undergoing a facial reconstructive surgery, he becomes fixated on an actor in a stage production based on his former life. 85% May, of December 20, meets 20. face off. No, this is this is a true story. I want to say, Mike, it's a really? 75 meta score. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, I, I don't know if it's all true, but I, I mean, it's certainly the uh, the lead character. Uh, he's been out and about just talking about how differently able people need to need to be able to tell their own stories and that this was an opportunity for that and and he was able to do it so it was wonderful wow cool yeah uh the outrun this writer director nora fingshite she of the formerly named untitled nora fingshite project that we talked about about (laughs) a bunch that turned into i think was that the unforgivable that that turned into andrew morgan's garage band has now (laughs) changed their name finally to the untitled nora fingshite project i believe (laughs) <laughs> the Outrun stars Saoirse Ronan's carrying an early 74 Metascore, early 87% in Rotten Tomato. It's an addiction drama. Yeah, here's Sasquatch Sunset, by the way, written and directed by David and Nathan Zellner, Starling Ryan, Riley Keough, Jesse Eisenberg, Christoph Jajak Denek, excuse me, 68 Metascore, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, 17 reviews. Apparently Sasquatch Sunset is just these bigfoot characters just shitting and puking and screwing for like the first hour it's supposed to be really funny and disgusting <laughs> i can't wait like, to see it well poor things is going to be an 11 time oscar nominee it's basically got the same premise basically the same premise yeah. <laughs> freaky tales stars pedro pascal it's from captain marvel half nelson directors anna Bowden and ryan fleck it's getting early 71 percent on rotten tomato early 59 metascore lionsgate has this one it's multiple stories coming out of 1980s oakland so Freaky Tales was all over the internet and, and, and rave reviews on film Twitter. And yeah, I looked at this Metascore. I was all ready to just proclaim this the past lives of the festival, right, uh, of this year. And Freaky Tales got a crap Metascore. What is that? Yeah, not a hit with critics. Lionsgate, got to be a little worried. Um, speaking of major distributors, Hulu has Suncoast coming out early February. This is written and directed by Laura Chin. Suncoast stars Nico Parker of The Last of Us, Woody Harrelson, Laura Linney, Matt Walsh of Veep. And uh, 69% on 13 reviews, another 59 Metascore. I was hearing a lot of good reviews about Suncoast. I was going to buy it, and then I was like, all right, it comes out on Hulu next week, so I can wait a week. Yeah, you know, you so. That's what I did there. Uh, my old ass got a lot of exposure too. Ten million dollars that went to Amazon and MGM. Aubrey Plaza, Maddie Ziegler, the stars of this. Elliot LeBrant, who has been advised by her future self not to fall in love, is sure she can do so after being given the advice. That is until she meets the boy her older self warned her about. It's written and directed by Megan Park, who's uh, most notable for HBO's The Fallout. Yeah, she's she did a wonderful job with that movie, uh, starring Maddie Ziegler and Jenna or- Ortega. Which was awesome. So I'm I'm excited about my old ass, and I love the title too. Uh, otherwise, did, 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 is ten million dollars what? Um, mm-hmm. this, I'm going to ask you a question that I'm not going to know the entire question for, and you're not going to know the answer to. This is going to be a complete waste of time. Was ten million dollars that Andy Samberg movie that we uh, Palm Springs? Yes. Was that the number that that Andy Samberg movie was bought for? Oh, that was a record my God. at the time. Maybe I can look this up quick. Palm Springs acquisition. I remember Palm, I mean, Palm Springs. We reviewed on here. We were movie. we were all about the first time we watched it. We were kind of lukewarm on it. And then we went back to it. it both broke, of us like this is genius. It broke a Sundance record. 
And I thought it was ten million. Ever. Yeah, but I could be completely wrong. By sixty nine cents. Oh, seventeen point five million okay. and sixty nine cents. So it was a there little bigger. But there you go. Good job by you looking that up so quick. I was able to find it. I, I agree. Uh, Girls State, Frida, Ibeline, and Skywalkers are four other documentaries, along with The Greatest Night in Pop, that found acquisition or came in with some acquisition. Girls State is the sequel to Boys State, which we both like. That's going to be on yep. Apple TV+. Plus. Talk about Frida, heroin. yeah, is going to be about the famous artists coming out on Amazon Prime. Screen Talk didn't like that. Uh, Latanzio didn't like it. And neither neither did Ann Thompson, by the way. Anyway, Amazon Prime. It's coming in early March. That's why I didn't buy it. Ibeline is uh, apparently about a, a very famous gamer who suffered from a, a very, you know, distressing illness. And uh, I'm 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 looking forward to that one. In Session Film just put out a rave review of it. They they loved it. So into it. There you all go. Right. That is your Sundance rundown. Good job by you, also, Mike, for uh, taking all these in and parsing them out. Well, thank you for giving me the uh, the forum to do this. Uh, I do want to come back around and have you review something. We have poor things that you caught up with over the weekend, yeah. and I was dying to know. I did not. I was like, flip of a coin. Is he going to love it? Is he going to hate it? And you're kind of well. You're not even in the middle. You're you're on no, the positive side. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, it's a solidly a B plus movie. I, I left mm. that feeling good about myself. And uh, no matter how much you warned me how funny it was, I wasn't prepared for it to be as. Good like laugh out loud gut laugh as it is the the only negative like it would be probably an a movie if the first 40 minutes were just presented in like flashback or cutscenes. anything but yeah like they're the, just they're the so unnecessary to the story i was not a fan of the first 20 yeah the first act let's just say yeah. i would agree with you but once they get I, on I the boat understand. exactly yeah well i mean once the story gets going it's it's well worth the watch, but I just can't understand the the need to have that first. I mean, you would have cut down on the runtime. You probably would have saved some money, and I think it would be more palatable. And mm-hmm. it's not exactly a, a universally palatable movie. I mean, I'm shocked that Emma Stone gets as naked as she does, like as often as she does in this movie, which, I mean, good for her. There's no mm-hmm. reason not to if she's comfortable with it. God bless her. But, like, to see a star of that stature be able to bear it all still is, is kind of unique in this day and age. So it is a very sex positive sex heavy movie in mm-hmm. that way i don't know that it's for everyone obviously uh for those reasons and others that it's that is depicted but i mean if you're a a, a, a cinephile mm. this is there's nothing that would turn you off from this i don't think <laughs> it's i mean the production values are through the roof and i like the satire of it i thought it was it was funny on in the text and it's obviously a joke the setup is a joke it's 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 satirical brilliance i mean she is like piaget's development you know willem dafoe is this character that's just he's like the scientific method in human form they're all like embodiments of this you know dafoe and russell are very funny yeah and and emma stone is like i mean if you take a step back and take away the societal yeah bs that we've casted onto women over the, you know over centuries that's what her character is and she's like well, imagine if we don't have the stigma attached to everything that's supposed to be feministic and supposed that a woman are supposed to do and supposed to act like and that's basically what her character is and explores and i can absolutely see why people fall in love with her performance as like a lead actress worthy because one it's not really anything she's ever like not like anything she's ever done before and two it's it's she is the entirety of the movie 
Like mm-hmm. Defoe and Defoe and Ruffalo are there purely to move the plot along and for comic relief. Oh, they they have their moments. I mean, a couple yeah. of jokes by the each of them are just killers. Just yeah, they're they're outstanding. I mean, laugh out loud, gut bustingly funny stuff. Yeah, by the two Which of the two supporting. I did actors. not expect either from Yorgos. Right, I'm not even close. Right, so it's a good point. So no, I mean, yeah, he does it again, and you could I could absolutely. I mean, you watch this and you're like, okay, yeah, it, all those nominations make sense. Here's the question, though. Was this steampunk? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> I think another, like, all right, we, we have to have a checklist for steampunk, because I didn't see anyone with goggles on their head over a Hold hat. on. Hold on. She okay. wears, she wears like, the futuristic goggles there. Uh, I think they were given to her by Jared Carmichael's character, and those might as well be goggles. I mean, he might as well be singing the Will Smith song. Okay. Okay. Fair. I was going to say, if you don't count those, I think also another hallmark of steampunk is if you look up and you see transportation that's being like, like a steam engine in the sky is mm-hmm. is a hallmark of steampunk. Is that really? Because I know Miyazaki movies have had such things, but this there's a literal steam engine on the, on the sea that mm. is kind of in punky colors. <laughs> This is, Some, I, we, we have a good conversation going, <laughs> and then I have to just turn it into just nonsense. No, it's a it's a question that we that we've explored often here that I don't know that we have a firm grasp on. I don't I know what steampunk, steampunk is either. I feel you, like it's steampunk. Do. Well, it's don't just you like this retro historical? Because it's not it's not real. But it's history. not historical. It's like, no, you're right. Uh, what's the word? Like, it's futuristic. Retro futuristic. Yeah, is that it's like term? a postmodern. But it's set in the past. Like, this is supposed to be f- the fake past. Right. Like, what if <laughs> right. the past was steampunk? And by the way, I was that is not a Wes Anderson setting. <laughs> True. <laughs> At least not one that he's done yet. We were way off there. Yeah. Right. But, uh, all right, I'm glad you like Poor Things. Again, yeah, it's, 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 it's very... I, I think I would like it more on a rewatch, knowing that the first, like, 40 minutes are... I'm just going to, like, I could do something else with that on in the background. Right, bleep bloop nonsense. Yeah, just you know, break the violin strings. Exactly. Oh, but, oh yeah, shit. that's another thing I wanted to comment on. I hated the score. <laughs> You're <laughs> absolutely right. That was that score is nonsense throughout the entirety of the movie. <laughs> and then he comes on. He has the audacity to come on the stage at Lincoln Center, and he's like, "Instruments have never been played." Yeah, no, it's what he said. That's what Jerskin yeah. Fendrick said. Yeah. On stage, that's what he said in all of his interviews. Like, a clarinet has never been played like this. And then when you drop the saxophone from the roof of the building and record that sound. I mean, there were parts that it was, like, almost unlike I had to put my hands over my ears. I'm not, like, I can handle loud noises. I'm not. I'm fine. They don't shake me. But it was, like, unbearable at points. How that's nominated for an Oscar. If he didn't go on this campaign where he's like, I did this purposely to offend people, essentially, is what he's saying. Like, if yeah. that wasn't his stance, I think people would be like, this guy lost his mind. <laughs> his first and only original music credit. <laughs> Terrible. Really bad. And yet. But we're not musicians, the, so. Well, here's the thing. The, the score at the end of the film, I could listen to that all day. It was gorgeous. Like, I didn't even know. I didn't notice it. I was scored oh, after well, that point, to be honest with you. Maybe maybe go back in for the you know, on Spotify for the very last track and that's it. The sight gag 
at the mm-hmm. end with the close up in the when they're in the 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 uh, surgery studio at the last mm-hmm. time, and there's a close up of Emma Stone's face, and then the close up of her her lover's face, and then the close up of the uh, <laughs> of an animal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it got me. <laughs> Movie's really funny. It kills me. Yeah. I've been I've been thinking about the one joke from Defoe for months now. Willem Defoe is hysterical in that movie. <laughs> kills me. Kills me. So and that's dumb. why I don't get yeah. like there's film Twitter like vitriol over people, you know, friends of the show who hate this movie. Like, but it's a joke. It's a joke, Eric. It's a joke, dude. It's a joke. <laughs> it's not serious. Yeah. It's, it's making fun of all of science, I want to say. I think not some, all of science. I, I think I'm pretty sure. And it's the year sure. of, uh, of reclaimed nudity by, you know, I mean, these, these mm-hmm. starlets are not. Whether they were hacked or they've had their body, you know, shamed in public, they don't care. They're, they're there's male nudity in there too. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Well, yeah, she literally. Make it, I mean, <laughs> make a guy pulling on a penis of a dead body for a little bit. That's <laughs> played for a laugh. You know, that did happen. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. good movie. I, I I recommend poor things if you can stomach <laughs> the <laughs> the reasons that it's polarizing. If you can stomach those, you'll enjoy it's poor things. Stomach the obvious necrophilia that I just cited. Right. You will well, love that's it. not. She's not. Ne- come on, that's not necrophilia. <laughs> no, she has no sexual that's desire right. towards the corpse. Frowned upon. Yeah, what she does. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Where do you want to go next? Well, you know, let's jump into the uh, trailers. We can catch up yeah, with the box office another time. I did want to mention one more Sundance movie. I saved it here for trailers, these Oscar trailers, because I love the trailer for Love Lies Bleeding. This was written and directed by Rose Glass, ironically, of uh, St. Maud there, an Eric Weber favorite. <laughs> so, Eric, we, we're with you on St. Maud. Not with you on poor yeah. things, unfortunately. Agree and dude. disagree, yeah. Kristen Stewart, Katie O'Brien, Dave Franco, Jenna Malone, Ed Harris, 91% on 33 Sundance Reviews, 76 Metascore from 824. Love Lies Bleeding features a song from small uh, Bronski Beat uh, entitled Small Town Boy, which oh, is that what time that, out. I was trying to figure out what song that was. Yeah, I, I had like to look I'd it up. Before. Time Out ranked Small Town Boy number 12 in their list of the 50 best gay songs to celebrate pride all year long in 2022 cool uh synth pop hit from 1984 and yeah just an anthem and and a hell of a song for this trailer for sure what'd you think of love lies bleeding ed harris looks fucking ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) okay yep that was my that was my first takeaway from this i was like what are you doing (laughs) he kind of looks like a zombie that should have been in they made him up to look like the crypt keeper Right. He, I mean, he, that, like, I understand look. he's supposed to be, like, intimidating and the bad father and the, the antagonist of this movie, probably. But, like, that, come on. That's too on the nose. I'm kind of scared for Kristen Stewart and Katie O'Brien, though. I mean, think about... How could you not be? <laughs> think about the Crypt Keeper there, Ed Harris. Pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, and then you hear that this is a body horror, but we see, like, these hallucinations of her muscles like growing and exploding like yeah so is this like a hulk storyline like is this like an unlicensed and unmarvel hulk storyline is that what we're getting on here because there are a bunch of different storylines that seem to be converging with like we see her in a body bodybuilding competition but also she needs to find a job at this gun range that's run by ed harris does she know that ed harris is Kristen stewart's father which seems to be the case but she meets Kristen Stewart independent of that? Or is she the link that gonna, that's going to bring Kristen Stewart back to Ed Harris? Who is Kristen Stewart in the shootout with in that hotel room or motel room? 
I just love that Kristen Stewart is like the badass though, even though she's obviously not the bodybuilder, so she's dating the meathead, but yeah. she's the one protecting protecting Katie O'Brien in this trailer, like get back in the car, threatens yeah. to tell the FBI everything and the father's blowing up at her, you, you know, driving away at that last shot. Whatever's under the yeah. uh, whatever's under the t- whatever they call that uh, the the wrapping there, staring awake. Yes, thank it was you. Supposed yeah, to be dead. Not, yeah, not dead. Oh my! Really God. cool trailer. Really cool trailer. Great song too. All right, Monkey Man. Yeah. Jordan Peele watches Monkey Man, and he basically gets Universal and Monkey Paw Pictures to acquire it, and Netflix was eager to give it up apparently if you if you read the world of real article they essentially discuss I'll, I'll, I'll just say go read that on monkey man they discuss uh political reasons as that's why netflix with their largest growing market in the world for subs and for ads being india they did not want this particular character based on the backstory to be politicized for them so they gave it up for pennies on the dollar uh, apparently so that's it's wild but universal is going to put monkey man in theaters so all of the you know the rapturous applause for jordan peele taking it away from netflix putting it in theaters i kind of thought that was ironic based on the story there yeah there's like a synergy between this and the roadhouse remake in that you know there, there's an opening right now in the action star genre because it seems like mm-hmm. Liam neeson has finally aged himself out of it so it's like the rock and nobody right now so listen if june got- squibb June Squibb <laughs> right, June have another Squibb, go. <laughs> June Squibb, Dev Patel, and Jake Gyllenhaal are all fighting to uh, fill that <laughs> opening. But you have this one that's being taken away from a streamer and being put exclusively into theaters versus Roadhouse, which is being put on a streamer and taken away from theaters, even though it'll mm. be a uh, day and date for both, it seems like. That's pissing off Doug Lyman, who's the uh, director there of Roadhouse. So kind of a, yeah. a cool synergy between the two. Um, did, what do, I mean, what are you, John Wick vibes in this? Yeah, a little bit. I I like the uh, I like the I like what I see. I like the yeah. you know the big set pieces that we we get to watch you know snippets of in Monkey Man. This trailer here, uh, he's fighting this you know main bad guy, this boss in the hotel room. He tries to jump out the window, bounces back. I thought that was funny. You know, you have uh, the huge fight when he's in a tuxedo. Looks like he's going against. The crazy 88s from freaking Kill Bill movies there. Uh, he's in the mask in the ring. He's fighting this humongous wrestler. Uh, it's, and, yeah, then the mask is painted white, which gives you goosebumps because the trailer started with his mother's voice talking to yeah. her, his voice and his mother, you know, telling him the story of the the legend of the Monkey Man ca- character in the village. So, yeah, I, I thought it was an awesome trailer. It looks like, looks like a serious action movie. looks like the choreography is right on point. Yeah, it looked it looked uh, looked really cool. I agree with all that. I also am surprised to hear. I mean, if it was if it was taken off Netflix for political reasons, they were worried about like it being too right leaning or whatever it is. Like, I'm all for a bad guy dressed in all white, as is mm. presented in this trailer. But usually, that's a takedown of religion hmm. when that happens. So to hear that this is you know I I don't know. I mean, I'm just gonna have to watch this to see how that that plays out. Yeah, I'm eager to watch it as well. Uh, we'll move on to that Roadhouse trailer. Again, directed by Doug Lyman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Connor McGregor in this, going to 11 for sure. Uh, Daniela Melchior, 
a Fast X Suicide Squad. Billy Magnuson's always good. He was in The Survivor. He was great in The Survivor, by the way. Jessica Williams of Shrinking. Lucas Gage of White Lotus. And Arturo Castro of The Menu in Broad City. Michael, my biggest issue with this movie, having become a UFC fan, is like Jake Gyllenhaal defeating Conor McGregor. Like, that's going to be a problem for me. But did you have that problem with George St. Pierre in the... uh... In the MCU? Wasn't he in the MCU getting taken down? That was before I was a UFC okay, quote unquote, so that was fan a watching you. it. Okay. You know, kind of. But, so now but you're I did, cognizant of it. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, Vin Diesel, uh, who did he punch in Fast Fast and Furious? Oh, my God. Francis yeah, Ngannou, excuse either. me. No, wasn't Francis it? Ngannou. And, uh, like, Francis Ngannou, if he punched him, Vin Diesel's hand would just fall <laughs> apart. Just like, like dust. <laughs> But that's the thing. Like, Conor McGregor has just been so formidable for so many years. I mean, he looked like he would outmatch, he outmatched uh, the boxer, uh, Floyd Mayweather, right? I mean, if, if that wasn't a boxing fight, I mean, McGregor was moving laterally, like, so fast, he looked like a panther in the ring. It was unbelievable. This is great casting for Conor McGregor's first big screen film, right? Probably. I mean, I'm ju- hopeful. He's just got to be a crazy fighter. That's right. what he is in real life anyway. <laughs> And, and I, Jake Gyllenhaal is a UFC fighter in this one mm-hmm. turned whatever bouncer, super bouncer. He's going to play the role. I like. I that never they saw the this. original Roadhouse, Mike. Oh, get out of here! Shut never up. Saw the, just you have to watch that. Like I know. Movie. I'm I'm going to now. I mean, I I thought this movie was ridiculous to be remade, mm. and I'm stunned by how much I want to see this movie now. No, I haven't wanted to see a movie that I was sure I would hate the idea of seeing. I haven't been swayed this much by a trailer since Wonka. Roadhouse from the 1980s is absurd. Roadhouse. You probably need to watch it, like, immediately. We have to get off this recording so you can watch it. (laughs) Uh, I do want to talk about two animated film trailers, Despicable Me 4 and Kung Fu Panda 4. What are you more excited about here, Michael? Despicable Me 4, and it's not close, and it'll never be close. <laughs> I love the hall. I love the music in both trailers, Seven Nation Army and yes. Kung Fu Panda, but Hall & Oates is Maneater. That once that drop happens and you realize that the minions are running away from an awakened old lady on a monster truck as the villain. <laughs> I mean, come on. Love it. Despicable love it. Me... I have no idea what this plot is, and I don't. They don't need like they have me. They figured out a cheat. Just get cute, adorable thumb people and give them personalities. They don't even have to speak English. They don't even have to speak. <laughs> like just have them make noises and put it on screen for ninety minutes and take all of our money. <laughs> and make jokes about snacks so that you have to buy snacks. Yes, it's. I mean, it's a cheat code. Like that popcorn in the microwave gag, genius! Oh god, that killed me. I like. I would watch like I would watch an old school Despicable Me or Minions like cartoon series that was on every day after school at like three p.m. I would watch it. (laughs) There's nothing I wouldn't do for these minions. And now you're gonna add a a honey badger to the mix, and Groot's got a kid that hates him but loves his mother. (laughs) Come on. So how about Kung Fu Panda 4? It still looks pretty good. Actually, the kids who I work with were very excited about this trailer. They were all talking about it. I was eavesdropping one day, and uh, they were all talking about it. And Yeah, so they're into it. So they Uh, probably grew up with the Kung Fu. Like, this is the fourth installment of that. This must be a big hallmark of their childhood. So maybe instead of gentle minions, they're, you know, gentle, I don't know, gentle pandas. 
whatever the kid the kids <laughs> drive like the older kids from nostalgia will drive these movie theaters sure uh it, 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 it matters but it's funny trailer he fails to meditate inner peace inner peace dinner please chicken with soy glaze <laughs> it's me uh viola davis scary voice she's the quote-unquote mm-hmm. chameleon a shapeshifter who takes powers from past supervillains of the franchise like ian mcshane's you know tiger character there yeah aquafina the outlaw fox and the bunny kids just chewing on the firework tops. Oh my god, that made those me kids laugh. are hilarious. But that goes back to the main. Just make something small and cute, and make them angry at everything. <laughs> <laughs> like it worked for the Incredible. The Incredibles figured this out early. Pixar figured it out mad early. Hmm. So yeah, that that looked funny. And then of course, just t- turn a sneeze into a fart at the end. You, you yes. got me. <laughs> All right, uh, quick. Quick two trailers to finish. Immaculate, starring Sydney Sweeney, horror movie about a nun who apparently is pregnant, immaculate conception, but the might be the devil. Let's just I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the devil has a child inside her. Um based on Why the does the devil keep insisting on screwing with pe- members of the wouldn't it be more effective to spread its message if it just started with regular people as opposed to members of the clergy? Sure. Right? Uh, sure, but it wouldn't be as I, you know, the, the dramatic irony wouldn't be as strong. <laughs> I, I granted, you wouldn't be able to make movies about them. They wouldn't sell that well. But I feel like the devil would have a better success rate. <laughs> yeah. The the male gaziness of the character, though, give me a break. Like, we're watching nuns, and we're watching her dress and undress. We're watching Sydney Sweeney bathe in the, a nun jacuzzi. We're watching her go to the gynecologist. We're watching her shower. It's all in a trailer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit much. But that said, the the visual of her walking through the monastery and then you see someone in the background jump off the roof, I mean, that's kind of yeah. cool. That's something that hasn't really been seen before. Uh, I'm going to have to watch this movie. Well, I'm going to you can have to twist my arm to watch Sydney Sweeney in a <laughs> movie like this. No, I think uh I think the flashes at the end of the trailer are terrifying. I don't want to watch all that. I just hope it's not too. Yeah, I hope it's not too reliant on that for jump scares. I'm gonna guess it is. You know, yeah, it probably is. Comes out middle of March. Uh, I don't know. Could go either way. Tuesday. Remember that mother daughter fairy tale that we kind of half made fun of from last Telluride? Well, this trailer is actually a very serious thing. Oh my god! And and. Julia Louis-Dreyfus of A24 delivering a performance. I'm not going to lie. I teared up watching yep. this trailer despite that goofy CG parrot voice. I'm tearing up watching her performance in this trailer because, you know, the daughter's dealing with a, a very serious illness and she's, the, I mean, the angel of death is a parrot. I'll be 100% honest. I was like, I left that trailer. I had a visceral reaction to it. I, my, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then I was, my first thought, I wonder if that trailer's too good for what the movie's going to be. That is one of the more effective trailers I can remember seeing. Like, I don't remember having goosebumps like I did since the Black Panther 2 trailer first came out. I was moved by that trailer. I did not like the voice when the voice started out. And then I'm like, I think I like the voice now. Yeah. I thought it was the father from the Double V Vitch. (laughs) Maybe it is. Did you look up who the voice is? I'm looking it up now. He's not on the cast list. But that would make sense. But uh, no, and then look at the poster. The poster's the big wing of the parrot, the red parrot there, and Julio Louis Dreyfus's the song got me. Oh my god, that that anthemic like, yeah, 
astrological. It's like you're flying. It was like an Angels and Airwaves song. I didn't want to bring up Tom DeLonge in this episode, but I will. Uh, right. it, it, it's kind of, I don't know. This trailer rocked me. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I wanted to leave it in there because it was, it, was, yeah. it was intense. I'm glad you did. I felt feelings. Yeah, those are rare. <laughs> Usually just a cold, dead fish of a man. Uh, there it is, your Sundance in review episode, along with some trailers there. And as always, what matters most to us, dear listener, are your thoughts. Did you watch Sundance from home on your own? Did you check in, uh, take in anything that also Mike reviewed? What are your thoughts if you did? What are your thoughts and what are you excited for to see from Sundance in general? As well as uh, let us know your thoughts about any of these trailers that we reviewed. What are you excited for? You can leave us those, as always, along with any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter or X, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you listen to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Michael, tell the good people what's coming next from us and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, we're starting to reach out. It's too late, but we're starting to reach out to all our friends of uh, the show to get them on, the, get them on the show and book people. We have very busy schedules for whatever reason right now, so just like trying to you know figure out uh, the schedule going forward. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some some friends come back and and talk to us about uh, about this award season, which is gonna ramp up really fast here. Uh, we want to do the Mike Mike and Oscars relatively soon. I, we may push it back another week. We were yeah, we're gonna have pre-show. to. I was gonna. T- I was. I meant to bring that up to you, but we're okay. gonna have to push it back. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's put that push that back another week. I think we want to squeeze yeah. in some more movies, and we want you guys to send us more categories and more yeah. superlatives. So if you think uh, something deserves an award in your own award show, then this is your platform. You Let go. us know. We will say what you tell us to say. <laughs> wise to do that produce our episode yes for us and we'll just say it and we'll take the heat for it that's right i think uh i think we're gonna put that down as a blanket statement yes okay i guess we have to now uh yeah those are your words of wisdom as well uh not wise but yeah they might as well be no i think uh I think uh, we ha- we've had fun doing this in the past, so it is wise to join in on the fun. I mean, I love writing these episodes, so I'm going to do that. I know uh, we want to catch up on a few more movies, but I th- I mean, I've seen my quota at this point. You you're, you're, you you got to catch up on, I would say, American fiction, a couple movies like that. You so you got to you got to get a little busy here. No, mm-hmm. I'm going to blame you. What, what else do I have? I know I got American. Fiction. You have American fiction. Well, well yeah. don't you want to see American and the, the, yeah, the taste of I things? Don't. I need I you to see the taste. I'm of not going to see that next. I'm not going to see that movie. Fortnite. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Next time I order dinner, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you instead of watching the taste. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I do appreciate that. I will. Uh, I will immediately order the same dinner from the same place because I'm that impressionable. There you go, guys. <laughs> When reality sucks, you can order dinner with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.